Let's talk about Medi-Cal. You have a choice, and Molina makes it easy, especially when it comes to the care you need. So let's talk about you, about making your life easier, about extra help to manage your health. Let's talk about your needs now and for the future. Nobody knows Medi-Cal better than Molina. It starts with a phone call. Call 866-420-5330 or visit meetmolinaca.com. Let's talk today. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess. Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. All right, where you at? There you go. Now then, you all come here to see your final farewell to old Walt here. Farewell, Walt. Dear old Walt. You know... I got an idea that maybe it's not such a final farewell after all. I think maybe old Walt's going on in into the unknown to do a little recon work for us all. Huh? Hey, I, just, I, just, I just want to say one thing. Uh, nobody ordered Walt to go on this mission. He volunteered for certain death. That's true. That's what we award our highest medals for. That's beautiful. That's what being a soldier is all about. Oh, yeah. Yes. Yes. Gentlemen. I think there's only one person who has anything to add to that, and that's Dago Red. Walt, here's here's your black capsule. Oh. Look, this thing works pretty fast, doesn't it? I think I better go lie down over there. I'll help you. Through early morning fog, I see visions of the things to be. Hello, and welcome to Book vs. Movie. This is a podcast where we read books that have been adapted into movies, and then we try to decide which we like better, the book or the movie. I am Margo P. of ColoniaBook.com, and this is my good friend and co-host, Margo D. of Brooklyn Fitchick. Hi, everyone. I've had a crazy week. I don't know about you. Yes. <laughs> this is not our normal uh, recording day. Uh, sometimes we have to adapt. But I-, I have to say, like, we've been pretty awesome. If I could just pat ourselves on the back for a second. We decided when the pandemic started that we were going to do a brand new episode every single week. And we've pretty much done that. Yes, we have. I've been proud of us, too. But we've also expanded the idea of a book. So if this is your first time listening. Today we are co- covering an actual novel and, adapt- and a movie that was adapt from- adapted from it. Excuse me. But we also have done songs, short stories, magazine articles, plays, musicals. Just anything that can be adapted into a movie, pretty much. That's what we've been doing. And so that I think that's been helping us. Yeah, literally any literary source. Yep. Um, But yes, today we are definitely talking about an actual book. So if you're new, want to join us for other episodes, you know, well, we've been doing this for like eight years. (laughs) Yes. So there's a lot of episodes, y'all. Especially, I mean... 
especially over like in these last two years when we're doing a brand new one every week, there's a lot of material. Uh, there's also certain places where you can interact with both of us and other listeners of this podcast on social media and whatnot. And can offer suggestions for something you'd like for us to cover or any ideas that you have. We have a basic Facebook page. You can be sure to like that. Also, if you're on Facebook and you want to join our Facebook group, it is a private group. And we do literally just talk about books and movies there. It's really nice. Just type in book VS movie podcast group and ask to join. We're on Twitter and Instagram. Both of those places. It's at book versus a movie. You please reach out to us there if you're on that social media. And we have an old timey email book versus movie podcast at gmail.com we accept things we have to have the the material has to be easy for us to get to so it has to be on kindle on the libby app like the book today is on the libby app and the movie needs to be streaming somewhere that everybody can get to it if it's some really niche streaming service or it's on a cd or dvd or vhs or whatever we're not going to do that so it has to be something pretty easy for folks to get to and we've been getting some amazing suggestions excuse me from our listeners yeah we really have and please keep them coming because it's not easy to come up with a brand new (laughs) idea every (laughs) it's so funny you know we i'm trying to think have we done any altman movies yet no i think this is our first oh cool so this is Today is going to be our first. And if you really, really enjoy the show and you want to help keep us in books and movies, you can also support us on Patreon. We do have a Patreon page, like a lot of people do. As Margot said before, we've been doing the show for about eight years. So we have over 100 episodes that are on there. The most recent ones were Shrek, Carrie by Stephen King, and The Chronicles of Narnia. We've got some really cool episodes on there, and we have a couple of very affordable options. We're hoping to be able to afford a a yearly option soon through Patreon. We have to kind of talk to them a little bit more, but those are that's a place you can listen to old older episodes. They're not available in the iTunes feed or any other feed. It's just special there, and we've done them for the last couple of years, so they're really fresh. But there are also some freebies on there, so just go to the page and just check it out. See if it's something that you're interested in. But honestly, you know, if money's tight, and we totally get that. Feel free just to leave us a review wherever you get your podcast. I know at Spotify you can leave stars now. There's good pods, other places you can do it. Or just tell a friend about the show or ask for a sticker. We have stickers and we'll send you stickers. Put it on your laptop. Go to the coffee shop. Look cool. (laughs) All the kids are doing it. All the cool kids are. (laughs) Um, Today's book and movie is very interesting. A lot of people, well, we should say, you and I are of the age that we remember the television show that uh, came out of this book and movie. The television show, if you were not old enough to remember it, it was like the Friends of its day. Yes. It was a a massive cultural moment that like everybody participated in and watched. Uh, much more diverse than Friends ever was. It certainly was. Yeah, the stakes were higher, the stuff they were dealing with. Um, But it was still very funny. And, you know, it was a... There was still a lot of unpacking in the culture, I think, to do about the Vietnam War Mm -hmm. and and what that meant and what people went through and families went through. And so, you know, I think... That's one of the reasons why the the television show lasted as long as it did. But today we're going to be talking about the source material, which is the book, um, and then the Altman movie. It was, you know, it, it's again, it's hard to explain because nowadays it's not that 
unusual, but to take something like war, Mm -hmm. in this case, we're talking about the Korean War, but it was really just a a kind of stand-in for the Vietnam War that was going on at the time, and to really address the serious issues that were going on, but also have it be a comedy was a really unusual, brand new thing. We had something, you know, like Hogan's Heroes, Yes. Which was like hilarious and, you know, funny, haha, we're getting one over on the Nazis. But it never really actually addressed like any of the really horrible things that happened in the war. Or uh, prisoners of war, Mash, really. Or prison. Yeah. Um, it was just a very um, d- odd take on. <laughs> Mm-hmm. On on World War Two, but Mash like really does the all of the the uh, the book and the movie and the television show really does attempt to explore the reality of war um, while also giving us comedy, which is really really unusual. So let's talk about this book. We'll start with the author, and his name was, his pen name was Richard Hooker. His real name was Heister Richard Hornberger, Jr. He was born in 1924. He served in the Korean War. He was a surgeon. When he got out of the Korean War, he worked for the Veterans Association. And then he moved to Maine, and he got married, and he had a bunch of kids. And he was always writing about his experiences and talking about his experiences in the Korean War and how just it was so wacky. You became so close to people, and you're trying to make the best of a really bizarre situation. And he had a co-writer named W.C. Hines. They collaborated, and finally this story comes out, and it's May of 1968 the book is released. And it becomes a big hit. And as Margot said, because it was just going for that wacky humor going on in the war. But what does war mean? And at, it's 1968. We're really ramping up Vietnam. It's serious. And p- kids are protesting. Hornberger slash Hooker was actually a very Republican conservative guy. He was happy to serve. He was proud to serve. He wasn't like the, we think he might be the Hawkeye character because usually you think the writer picks the lead characters himself. But Hawkeye, he had as much more conservative. The Hawkeye character is married and has kids and is faithful to his spouse. And there is a place called The Swamp where all the MASH guys hang out. But that's the book. He got $500 for the adaptation, which is appalling. And he, <laughs> that's really bad. It's really. That's- And he made a few hundred from the TV series. The TV series was on the air between 1972 and 1983. And this is, you know, there wasn't really cable yet, not until the 80s. You watch, I think it was Sunday or Monday nights, the show was on and everybody watched it together. It was a whole family kind of thing. But it was a big deal. When MASH ended, it had the highest rating of a TV thing ever. And it took years for it to be equal. Everyone watched the finale. It was a huge deal. Anyway, let's just go back to the books. The book is released in 1968. The TV show does well. He doesn't like the Hawkeye character, so he starts writing or co-writing all these sequels, and it's MASH in Maine, MASH in Las Vegas, MASH in Hollywood. They don't do all that well. Some people collect them. He passed away in 1997, from leukemia and that's our author today richard hooker slash hornberger yeah it's not a long read Mm. um i had this week i had to travel from san diego to sacramento and back in a day and i just on the two little short plane rides i got the the book 
done. It's a very interesting book. I I haven't read it in many years. I, I read it a long, long time ago. Uh, what's jumped out at me, there were a lot, a few things that are not in either of the adaptations. And first of all, there's a third doctor. Mm-hmm. Let's start there. Um, there's a, there's, you have your like, the character that we know as Frank Burns is a composite character of, uh, there, there's several characters in the book who are, oh, there's always a, there's always a kind of like. Amalgamum. Yeah, there's like a religious fanatic, right wing, rah rah USA, pro war doctor. There's there's a there's a couple of them in the book, and they, and together they are the ones that that create the, the character of Frank Burns that the culture knows today. Um, but the the buddies of the book, there's three of them. Mm-hmm. Um, there is Hawkeye Pierce, which, as Margot said in, in the book, he is married. He has two sons, I think, mm-hmm. right? Um, and his his best friend is a doctor named Duke Forrest, right? From the South. From the South. He's from the South. He's also married, and he has two daughters. And um, Hawkeye and Duke, in the book now, Hawkeye and Duke are have been in Korea for a while. The MASH 4077 needs a couple of new surgeons, and so they have both been assigned to the MASH unit together. So they kind of show up at the airport at the same time. They ride in the same Jeep. So by the time they get to the hospital, these two guys are buddies. They've they've mm-hmm. found things that they connected, even though one's a Yankee, one's from the South. And then shortly after they're there, uh, they arrive, there's a third doctor who shows up who also gets put in, quote unquote, the swamp. Um, and his name is Trapper John. And turns out Trapper John and Hawkeye knew each other in college. They both played football uh, for opposing teams. And um, so now we have this threesome of, of buddies. But Hawkeye and Duke are the two besties of the outfit, mm-hmm. really. And then you have a lot of the other characters that you you know from the show and the movie. We have our Colonel Henry Blake who is regular army, but he's also, you know, he's kind of, he's a bit quirky. Mm-hmm. I think we could say has kind of an unorthodox leadership style. We have Radar O'Reilly, mm-hmm. who in the adaptations is shown as sort of like a semi, like he's got sort of ESP. Mm-hmm. In the book, he just has super, super, super good hearing. And that's how he kind of knows what's going to happen is he hears people talking. He can hear, pick up conversations that other people can't. So that's how he knows when the helicopters are coming in because he can hear them. We have Painless. Painless, the, the doctor. The I mean, the dentist. Who's um, have, suicidal, um, by the way. Julian. Who is actually suicidal. We'll talk about that because that's a very different treatment in the adaptation. Yeah. Margaret. We have the head nurse, yes. Margaret Houlihan. And let's see, who else? Father Mulcahy. Oh, yes, Father Mulcahy. There's an Australian that's in the mix. Ugly John. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. We have a few different, few different, and Ho John, who is a Korean. Oh, and Ho John, yes, who's who's a local who, you know, they, they employ the local people from the local village to, you know, do their laundry. Yeah. Did I cut out? Yeah, you cut out a little bit to, uh, okay. to do their I laundry. I was saying they... Yes, they they hire people from the local village to do laundry, um, kind of, you know, clean up around the camp and whatnot. Yeah. 
and they they do meatball surgery is how they describe it and there's just bodies coming in and out and they're very young they've only been surgeons for a few years so there's this big learning curve and like how to do this surgery in these unbelievable circumstances and it's just so many men that come through and yeah the book is very interesting that way because you get these characters and I gotta think it's it's my impression is that you have our we have a writer Hornberger, right? Mm-hmm. Um, he's the guy with the with the life experience, but you need to have a good writer to kind of corral that into something. And so they do a really good job, the two of them, of giving you these characters thrown into this situation. You know, th- these are college mid century college guys. Normally they'd be fairly well off, but they've been sent off into this weird situation. Just the sheer like Margot said, the sheer quantity mm-hmm. of surgery that this whole camp is called upon to perform on a daily basis is staggering. Mm-hmm. And I think they do a really good job of getting that across. Yeah, the book is only like 200 pages, by the way. You could get through it pretty quickly. And it, they, they just talk about, like I said, the meatball surgery, how they all live together, dealing with different personalities in a very small space where anything could happen at any moment. There could be bombing or there could be a lot of boredom. There's a lot of times they just sit around with nothing to do. So they make a still and they make a, they, they drink, they play football, basketball, they do anything to kind of occupy their time. Another thing they do is that there are nurses here. So they there's some hooking up going on with amongst these people. And one of them is Margaret Houlihan and Frank Burns. Frank is religious. He's married. But she's single and she's very regulation army. But they have a fling going on and everyone teases them for it. And Frank doesn't get along with uh, Frank is very religious and he's very pious. And that's one of the reasons that McIntyre that. The other people don't get along with him. Father Mulcahy is more of a zealot, really. I don't think he's. Yeah, he's a little he's a little different, that character, than in any of the adaptations. Yeah. Um, yeah, he's trying. You, you kind of don't get an idea of like what his deal is. He's very well, he's Catholic, mm-hmm. but there's this whole thing about the doctors like calling him over to. Apparently they have this like superstition that if Father Mulcahy, like they call a fix, does a fix and comes over and prays over a patient that, that the patient has a better chance. Like they really believe that. So, um, so he's, he's much more, yeah, he's much more of a zealot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think that's accurate. And Henry Blake is having his, half these people are married, but most of them are cheating. And you get the idea that a lot of it is just because they're in these close quarters, they're scared, they're lonely. There's they're bored. They miss their families to get a phone call to the States at the time was just ridiculous. You lived by letters and the letters had to go through people. It took forever. And just like with the TV show, they have a football team and they play the games. And there's a, there's a whole thing about John. I'm sorry. Uh, the pole, the depressed pole, the dentist that he, he's just depressed and wants to die. And they have yeah, a supper for he's, him. He's described throughout the book as um, as being a, a depressive kind of a, a of a personality. That he he they say that he has these bouts of of what today we would call depression, mm-hmm. um, and sometimes it's they're shorter, sometimes they're longer. But at one point in the book, 
um, he sinks into a very, very serious depression. And um, we should have done a trigger warning. Sorry. Yeah. Um, he starts to have suicidal ideations and um, goes to I mean, it's very serious. It is not a joke. Right. He goes to the doctors to ask, like, what's the simplest way for him to end his life? I forget exactly. Yeah, they 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 decide to, um, you know, they don't have any like psychologists on staff. No, and it's not a time hospital, that people would say. say either. They would just say, oh, he has the blues or he's right. He's and and down the dumps. Yeah. And there was a terrible stigma. I mean, if they had sent him for psychiatric care, probably would have ended his career. You know, it's a different time with different stakes. Mm-hmm. So the doctors, who know him quite well, they decide that what they will do is instead sort of sedate him, right? They're going to sedate yeah. him and they do this whole, like, have a last supper for him. But it's very solemn. Like, it's not It's not. For it's not for jokes. No, no. They, they give him a pill and they tell him it's the black pill. He thinks he's going to be, he take the pill and then he goes to sleep. But they just kind of, they put him in the helicopter and drop him, but he doesn't get killed. And it seems to snap him out of it. Like this close brush with death made him better. And who knows what's true and what's not true. But that's the story. Like, obviously, they never bring that up in the TV series. It's it's much more serious. I think it's also, it's funny. I mean, they have some good wisecracks in there. I mean, they do have the football game, which we'll, we'll get to that in the movie. Boy, will we get to that in the movie. It's just, then, and at the end, they go home. And they... Yeah, at the end, their time is up there. And it's only a two-year war. The two friends, yeah, the two friends go home. Um, so it really is just a, there's no like plot. No, really. Um, it's just a snapshot of a particular place and in a particular era with, you know, with it being 1968, you know, with the Vietnam War happening, it was something, you know, a glimpse into what is it really like day after day after day in this kind of circumstance for people what does that do for your mind what does that do for your relationships what does that do for your your view of human life Mm -hmm. Uh, and in that regard I think it's a very successful book I think it does a good job of of doing that but but there's no like there's no plot there's no like storyline there's just little things that happen while they are in this camp right it's a series of vignettes and just different characters that we meet, which is fine. I mean, it's, you know, it's like, yeah, no, it's not bad. It's, it's not too long. uh, The football thing got a little long for me. I'm not a football. Like, I don't care about reading about football. It was a lot of stuff about football. Like the, the, the quote unquote, again, being that it doesn't have a plot, right. You have to have like a moment that's sort of like a climactic moment. And they, they chose this football game with the rival unit, so it goes it goes great lengths about the football. Both teams have ringers that they've brought in. There's one there's the one story in the in the football section that I did like very much. It's not an either adaptation because again the the character of Duke does not exist mm-hmm. in any or no, he exists in the um in the movie but not in the TV show. Yeah. But this story is not in the movie either that when the mash unit is bringing in their ringer who is um in the book he's a he was a like college star he shows up and duke who is a southerner is not delighted to have an african-american 
in his tent at first. Yeah. And so he kind of like kind of in the he's you get this idea that he feels obliged to be the southerner. So he feels sort of like obligated to make a a stink about the fact that they're bringing in an African-American. And and so he kind of he doesn't go nuts, but he he kind of grumbles about it. Dr. Jones, who's a neurosurgeon, I think. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, He who's the the ringer. He was a college player, but now he's a surgeon. Um, So he's he recognizes Duke. And it turns out that Duke's family owned the land that Jones's uh, father tenant farmed. Um, Jones's father was killed and Duke's father, I think it was, paid the family, you know, um, enough that they were able to move north. And Duke was able, I mean, uh, Dr. Jones was able to go to med school and go to college and really, you know, got a lot of opportunity because of, um, because of the kindness that Duke's family had shown when his own father was killed. And so, Turns out, yeah, they turns out they're they they're super buds, and and all the beef flies out the window, and and that's that, which is nice. It's a nice little moment that isn't in any of the other um, versions of this story. But then, yeah, so then you have the big football game. Both sides are cheating, <laughs> right? <laughs> and the mash unit wins, and um, and that's it. And then at the end, Hawkeye and Duke go home, like Margot said, and that's that. But uh, I, it's good. It's it's yeah. It's, it's not the greatest writing, but it's good. It's it. Well, we should mention that they use a, a racial slur as a nickname for uh, yes, which is no, I'm not going to repeat it because it's no. It's there's bad. a lot of uh, what do we want to say? Um, insensitive, very insensitive language thrown about. Throughout the book. About Asian um, people, about women. About, oh, about, my goodness, yes. Like, yes. Right away about Asian people. Um, yes, about women, about, I mean, just anybody that they can, it's, yeah, they wasted no opportunity. Right. Seems <laughs> to <laughs> hurl <laughs> an, an awful epithet at, at anyone they possibly could, including the priest. But anyway, that's, that's the book. That's the book. It gets sold to uh, it's well, Robert. Let's do this, Margot. Why don't we do a have a quick break? We'll play the trailer, which is three minutes. <laughs> It'll give you guys a really good idea of this film if you haven't seen it before, and then we'll go into the movie. Let's talk about Medi-Cal. You have a choice, and Molina makes it easy, especially when it comes to the care you need. So let's talk about you, about making your life easier, about extra help to manage your health. Let's talk about your needs now and for the future. Nobody knows Medi-Cal better than Molina. It starts with a phone call. Call 866-420-5330 or visit meetmolinaca.com. Let's talk today. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. A United States Army field hospital somewhere near the front lines. 
check this place out. See what the nurses are like. That one, the sultry bitch with the fire in her eyes. Onward, Christian soldiers, marching as to war. Who are those men? Friends of yours, Murray? I think you will find these accommodating. They're quite dry. Don't you use olives? We do have to make certain concessions to the war. We're three miles from the front line. This is the story of two indispensable military surgeons. They had the army over a barrel. But did they take advantage of it? Yes. MASH, a motion picture that raises some important moral questions. And then it drops them. What are you two hoodlums doing in this hospital? Well, what's the matter with her today? Look, Mother, I want to go to work in one hour. We are the pros from Dover. Somebody get that dirty old man out of this operating theater. And then give me at least one nurse who knows how to work in close without getting her tits in my way. I wonder how a degenerated person like that could have reached a position of responsibility in the Army Medical Corps. He was drafted. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. His will be done. Oh, Fred. Oh, Fred, my lips are hot. We have got to share this with the rest of us. What the hell is that? Frank, 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 Frank! Wait a sec, wait a check with the military vicar's office. You see, I cannot give absolution to a man who is about to commit suicide. Do you have any particular method that you'd recommend? Black capsule. Black capsule. Suicide is painless. It brings on many changes. Our director is Robert Altman. He is considered a genius of the 20th century. Legendary. Legendary. <laughs> if you've never seen Nashville, see Nashville. That is one of oh, so his many. best works. I, I mean, what was the one what was the one with the Raymond Carver stories? Remember it's set in Hollywood? The player? Shortcuts? There's shortcuts, uh, which I like. There's the player, which I like a little bit more. Mm -hmm. Yeah, agreed. Uh, there's Preta Porte, which is about fashion industry, which is not great. Uh, <laughs> not as good. <laughs> no, Gosford Park, I think, was his last big like masterpiece. Oh yeah, I love Gosford Park. He did McCabe and Mrs. Miller. He he mm -hmm. he. I even like Brewster McCloud. I think like I feel like Brewster McCloud gets pooped on a lot because it came right after Mash. Yeah. Um. But I even I even like Brewster McCloud. But the 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 movie that really launched him and made him a legend was mash it's his first big picture it's with 20th century fox 
let's talk a little bit about him. He was born 1925 in Kansas City. He served in World War II. He joined the Air Force and was on 50 bombing missions. He had an incredible life. And when he got out of the war, he did a few different things. He worked in publicity. And then he kind of fell into making, um, what's the word I'm trying to think of when you make movies for companies? Corporate Corporate films. Yes, he did a bunch of those. And then he got into television. He did a lot of television in the 50s and 60s. This is his first major motion picture. So people didn't know what to expect from him, including our stars, Elliot Gould and Donald Sutherland, who apparently had a really hard time dealing with the vision from Robert Altman. Robert Altman took the book, said, it's bad writing and racist. I'm just going to use the characters. He's not totally wrong there, but he hires Ring Lardner, who was one of the last of the Hollywood 10. That was, uh, that's a whole story we've talked about before, but he's the screenwriter who won an Academy Award, by the way, and said, they didn't use anything I wrote. Everything is just, you know, improvised. He loved improvisation. These are things that kind of mark his work. He loves conversations that overlap each other. Like you do in yes. real life. That's, that's how a trademark of that's his. Tra- yeah, like, yeah. Like, like like happens on life. When you're on a train, people don't take turns talking. No, and you, you just practice like who you're paying attention to and who, who you're hearing. The first use of the word, the F word, supposedly in this movie. <sighs> Where do we begin with this? He, they had to take some characters and kind of combine them together. We have, let, let me just read, we have Tom Skerritt. Sally Kellerman is in this movie. I remember her from Back to it's School. It's such a great cast. Oh, Oh, I know. Back to school. She is so, I love Sally Kellerman. I love her. She's so funny and sexy and back to school. Like you believe her with Roddy. She's great. In she's this. great. And she's great in this. But what they do to her character is just. Oh, it's, they, it's horrible. They I, are so awful to her. I wanted to mention um, Altman. I saw an interview where he said he was the couple of things. He was the 15th director. That they approached with this project. Really? Yeah. They approached a bunch of people. Nobody wanted to touch it. And he decided to take it because he had been trying for, I forget how many years, a long time, like many years. He was trying to do this other picture that he had an idea for that was about World War One. And it wasn't going anywhere. He kept like trying to make it happen and it wasn't happening. And so when they came to him with this movie, he was like, oh, you know, I could actually use a lot of the ideas I had for this World War One movie here. Then it would actually play out to be more relevant, you know, with Vietnam and everything. And so he he agreed to do um, he agreed to do MASH. The song. Yes. uh, The MASH theme, Suicide is Painless, which is a great pun because that's the name of the dentist who is um suicidal right was written by altman's son the lyrics it was johnny mandel did the music (laughs) and his 14 year old son mike who has the credit for it and made like 20 grand a year or something like that from several years because that was he wrote the lyrics for it and the movie is produced by ingo preminger right who is the brother of Otto. otto preminger who we just talked about uh when we did carmen jones it's also we have Renee Bourgeonois. There's who I love. He's he love plays him. Father Mulcahy. What, it's if, hard. And then you remember Benson? Yes, he was the he was the stodgy guy on Benson. I can't remember what his name was on the show, but he was like the snobby guy. He's a great character actor. He's always always good. John uh, Shuck. Who else have we got? John Shuck, 
Bud Court. Bud Court. It's his first movie. A lot of these characters, by the way, these actors, excuse me, you'll see in the movie, it says introdu- introducing blah, yes. blah, 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 blah. Uh, yes. There's a lot of young... Uh, Robert Duvall's in this movie. Joanne Flug. I mean, she was, she's adorable. She's beautiful. She's just insanely beautiful. Michael Murphy, Bud Court, Fred Williamson... The attitude of this is very, let's say, irreverent is what he's going for. This is the late 60s, early 70s, long hair, smoking weed. There's this whole idea of being, you know, are you one of the straights or are you not? Are you one of the, like, the cool people or are you not? And so these doctors are, we're supposed to think of them as super cool. And they're, they're better than the people around them. They're certainly better than the people that are there for the war, that, that make a career out of the war. Which is a theme from the book. Yes. Um, You know, these doctors, the doctors in the book do not play by the rules. Um, They're constantly getting in trouble. They're constantly playing pranks. Some of them are very mean. Um, But they make up for it by being the best doctors ever. So same thing. Yeah, they don't follow any rules. And I kind of think that this is about, you know, again, we're looking at a, a Vietnam moment where the the narrative that's going on, I think, is a little before our time, but um, the narrative that's going on is that, you know, trying to rouse that kind of World War II, rah-rah America, freedom, but also you have this counterculture going on mm-hmm. and talking about how, like, this has never happened before. And this is saying, actually, yeah, war's like this and war's always been like this. Mm-hmm. And, you know, let's not pretend like Vietnam is some kind of brand new thing where all of a sudden war is gritty and dirty and, and people it's are not killed. clear who wins. Yeah. yeah. Uh, there are no clear winners. And so... It, it, I mean, it's so good. Altman is a, just a, such a champion of the ensemble piece. And he does it like nobody else can. Uh, there are other directors try this kind of technique, but I don't think any of them succeed as well as he does. And he also is great at bringing in unknowns mm-hmm. and really letting them shine. Like Michael, I love Michael Murphy. Michael Murphy wasn't an actor. Robert Altman just like liked this guy and thought he'd be a good be good in a movie here and there and turn him into a movie star mm-hmm. and uh yeah bud court who is so good in this yeah i mean he gets like such a moment all of these brand new people really get amazing moments in this movie that are really star moments but it, it, you know nobody had seen bud court before anyway it's really good and i um you and i are watching it first of all as women <laughs> Women, also secondly, twenty first century women, twenty first century very women, different. Yeah, we're both Mash fans. I know you said your husband like can tell any episode in the first five minutes. I have my BJ Honeycutt in the pink shirt and straw hat rule. If he's wearing that, I don't watch that episode because it's just not good. But it's very hard because I super love these characters. I watch this every day after school. This was on. Oh, me too. Yeah, absolutely. Repeats or yeah, uh, yeah reruns for years. So it's hard to then watch it and it's Elliot Gould or it's Donald Sutherland and they're swaggering around and just acting so much in contempt for other people. The way that they treat women, it's like, you know, the TV version, they liked women. They were very flirty. Like they really liked women. Yeah. Well, you had Ellen Alda, who's a feminist, first of all. Right. (laughs) 
And it's a TV. Um, and it's these TV. are not feminists. And it's yes. TV. It's funny. You know, I was watching. Um, I'll put this in the Facebook group. I found it's like from 10 years ago. But there was a really neat New York Times video uh, looking, re-looking at, at this movie. And the critic, I'm forgetting which critic it is, but he was saying how like when he watched it as a kid, he thought these guys were like so cool and mm-hmm. like rule breakers and badasses. And now he watches it as an adult and he's like, these guys are jerks. They're creeps. <laughs> they, they're awful. They're awful. They treat people with such contempt. The, to everybody, to not just, I mean, everyone. they're especially bad to women, but they yeah. are dreadful people they're not great people they're they're playing golf and they're just being snooty it's not fun it's they're just really horrible to the women i feel so bad for sally kellerman and like this was her role for years is what she was known for but there's a scene where margaret is showering and haha let's just have her like take the 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 things away so we see her naked which is humiliating terrorizing this woman yes because she likes the army because you know what i mean like she's not hurting them she's just doing her thing yeah she's not doing anything anything. to them right she didn't put them up on charges or anything Uh, Major, what went on over there? Ice Colonel Blake! Wait a second, you can't go and see Colonel Blake. You shut up, you twerp! This isn't a hospital! It's an insane asylum! And it's your fault! Because you don't do anything to discourage them! What do you want me to do? Put them under arrest! See what a court martial thinks of their drunken organism! And first they call me a hot lift, and you let them get away with it. And then you let them get away with everything. And if you don't turn them over to the MPs this minute, I, I'm going to resign my commission. God damn it, hot lips, resign your goddamn commission. She just didn't flirt with them back. Like she's not. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So we have to humiliate her. Right. And they get the other nurses in on it. Like because they they're they're the pick me girls. They're all pick me girls. Yeah. Yeah. Joanne Fluke included. They have a scene where Painless is he he's been trying to he had tried to have sex with somebody. He's okay. This story is very different than in the book. He's trying to have sex with this woman and he can't. He's imp- impotent. First, but first, though, we establish early on that the dentist is extremely well endowed. Yes. And therefore irresistible to the ladies. Because <laughs> that's all we care about. Do you remember Holmes and Yo-Yo? I love him. <laughs> he's such a good character actor. He is one of my favorites. Yeah. And he's very good in this. He was in a show um, called... But the storyline is so different. It is. He was a show called Holmes and Yo-Yo, where he played like an android, like a robot. Anyway, the 70s. <laughs> Buddy comedies were just... But he... So he can have sex with this woman. And then he says, gosh, that must mean I'm a homosexual, which means I have to die now because I can't be a homosexual. Yeah. Because he can't get it up in the middle of a war. Thank you. What's yes. wrong with him? Yeah, he's only exhausted. Like, what do you, I mean, it's, but so they have the last supper for him. 
They give him his pill, and this pill knocks him out completely. And then I forget if it's Hawkeye or, or BJ, the, which one was going to have sex with her. I think it's Hawkeye. Hawkeye, they're getting it on. He's like, oh, but wait. Donald Sutherland. <laughs> Hang in there, honey. I have a better uh. idea. Why don't you have sex with this guy who's unconscious? Who can't say no? Who cannot say it? And she just says, okay. She does it. They put her on a helicopter because she's leaving the next day to go home to her husband. She's being discharged. She gets in the plane, and then Robert Altman gets this one shot of her smiling. Like, yeah, I did that. I, it's like... Yeah. Uh, yeah. There are moments in this Here's movie... another time. There's a moment where the guys go to Tokyo and he needs a nurse and he's just barking orders to this woman who's just doing her job, this middle-aged nurse. Which she's, they they don't say who they are. Right. They burst into this hospital. Like they never, they've been ordered to this hospital to look at the son of a congressman or something like that. Mm -hmm. They've asked specifically for these two guys. But they show up, they're filthy. They're not in uniform. They know what these people are expecting, you know, in terms of the two doctors coming in. They come in at the opposite of that. They never say who they are. And they burst into a hospital right. with sick people and injured people and start yelling at all the nurses and ordering them about and calling them names. Good God. Make me make me really? breakfast and get me a nurse with you know small boobs so they're not in my face and just like... Who the hell are you to do this? It, but once again, it's the anti-hero time, too, where Jack Nicholson, like in Five Easy Pieces, he like is snotty to a waitress. Indeed. You know, there's that. Yes. It's about busting norms. Yeah. Busting the norms, you know, freaking out the squares. That's what they're they're doing. There's more to it than that, of course. I mean, but I, I there's a there's also a scene where Margaret and Frank have sex, are very vocal. And so they put a microphone in there and then blare it out for everybody to hear it's hello it is ryan and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day couldn't we just to make up for things like sitting in traffic doing the dishes counting your steps you know all the mundane stuff that is why i'm such a big fan of chumba casino chumba casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime anywhere with daily bonuses that should brighten your day a Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. And that just for? to be clear, like, they have done nothing to these people. Nothing. They're, they're just different than they are. They, they're not putting them under house arrest. They're not. They're jerks. But they're not really. They're, they haven't done anything. No. They haven't done anything. There's what Frank Burns has one bad one thing, one bad thing that he does that arguably he deserves. He gets punched in the face. He totally deserves it. Mm-hmm. And that's something that's kind of taken out of the book as well. But anyway, for the most part, like when they're making out, like who cares? Right. They're all fooling around. Why, like, why do they why do we have to do this? Why do we have to traumatize people? I don't understand. Well, we're supposed to think like, oh, God, this is what war does to them. Like they're so bored and they're so. But it's. it's I guess. But it's it's. Yeah. It, look, we're looking at this 50 years since that it's been filmed. So we have a way different idea. I mean, it just. There's certain things I was kind of like, ooh. There's times where I just felt like this isn't 1952 at all that we're doing here. This isn't. No, the hair. First, let's start with the hair, the makeup. 
that whole scene that just to I just wanted to point out that whole scene is not in the book. Right. Um Margaret Houlihan's nickname it comes from something else. When we meet her, she already has that nickname in the book. In the movie, this is how she supposedly gets that nickname, and then she's upset that they call her that for the rest of the um for the rest of the film. But yeah, they're not they're not um in the book, they're not as they're irreverent in all that and mm-hmm. they're sort of jerks, but they're not they're not terrorizing people right in the book. Really. Not like not to this degree at all. And it's funny. This is a total other level. Yes. And I and I mentioned before, but Elliot Gould and Donald Sutherland were big stars at the time and this was a big deal to them. And apparently they were so upset with his method of filming because they he was like filming everybody, not just them. They weren't the focus of everything. So they went to the studio and tried to get him fired. And the studio's like, no, just go back to the set. Okay. Yeah, that's cute. Cute. You're adorable. <laughs> you know you're not actually those guys. We're not gonna do what you say. Right. Go back to Malibu. Keep filming. You'll be fine. And apparently Altman said, well, if they'd done that, I would have quit. I would have just been because this was what he wanted to do. This is how he wanted to do it. It's not very I mean, it's supposed to take place in the mid 50s. It doesn't feel like it. And I think a big part of this for me, I this part of the story I don't care about. And I'm somebody that likes football. And this football scene, I'm bored out of my mind. I think it's too long. Thank you. It's so long. I mean, it's not as long as it is in the book. Yeah. But it's still too long. It's still just way too long. And again, I think it's that um, (laughs) the fact that we have no plot. There's no plot. (laughs) Exactly. We have to have the like the big moment, the big something we're building to something. I guess it's football. Uh, Yeah. And and in in, both counts for the book and the movie. I I, I wish it were something else besides football. But here we are. It's hard because, like I said, we like the TV. I like Margaret from the TV show. You know, she became a person, a human being. And like, and here that she's just treated like, you know, they insult her. They call her an idiot. Constantly. I mean, and she's like, she's being helpful. Yeah. She's trying to be supportive. Trying to be a team player. She does. Whatever they do. They're horrible to her. There's a scene with Robert Duvall where he's such a great actor. He's always so believable in what he's doing. He's wonderful. He he's never he's never not brilliant. He's I mean, he's always brilliant. He's he's just Hawkeye's questioning the major on a point of anatomy. Very professional exchanging ideas. Would you say that she was uh, a moaner, Frank? <laughs> what is Burns saying? Uh, Major Burns isn't saying much of anything, sir. I think he's formulating the answer. Seriously, Frank, I mean, does she go, mm-hmm, or does she just sort of lie there quiet and not do anything at all? Just sort of Keep your filthy the... mouth to yourself. Or does she go, What's going on, Frank? Let lesson one? Frank Burns has gone nuts. It's Frank Burns, if you've never seen this movie, He's so good. Like, yeah. he doesn't even talk yet. And you get it. You get who this guy is before he even opens his mouth. Brilliant. There's a, after he and Margaret have that thing, have their assignation, and then all of a sudden it's broadcast around, he's at lunch or something, and that's when Hawkeye just starts ne- needling at him. Like, what is Margaret like in this Again, sack? why? Why? <laughs> it's, for what? For what reason? Because they want him to go nuts. And then Frank does hit 
Hawkeye, he starts punching people, and then he gets what happens in the book and in the movie is Frank gets sent off. He's like it's almost section eight. Like he's Oh, we don't have a clinger. No, there's no clinger right. in the book or the movie. Which is too bad because Klinger was great for just Klinger's wonderful. Wait, wait. I mean Jamie Farr. They're all still with What's us, better than Jamie Farr? Yeah. I know, a lot of them, right? A lot of them. Uh, Sally Kellerman passed away this past uh, February, just like a couple of months ago. But almost everybody else is still here. The movie wins the Palm d'Or at Cannes Film Festival. Okay. It does very well. It does like 80 million in 1970. It was so successful. Which is ridiculous money. But it's, you know, it's not like... This is, you got to think this is before Annie Hall, you know, it's before like a lot of things. There, there wasn't anything like this. Right. People had not, first of all, just the talking, just the, the group scenes, the surgery scenes. Right. Brilliant. As they are in the book, the best, the best parts are the surgery parts. Like that's what really grounds the whole thing. Otherwise it's just a bunch of jerks being jerks right um you when you get to the surgery part in both the book and in the movie and the movie does it so well you really understand what these folks are dealing with okay maybe i would be kind of a jerk if this i was doing this for 30 hours at a stretch right uh having to deal with this it the the surgery uh scenes in the movie in particular are are really really beautifully executed um, and they they completely, you know, they make the whole thing work. It's the lights go out on them and they have to keep operating. There's shelling. They have to it's, keep operating. Oh, Bodies oh keep goodness. coming in. They have to keep operating. Yeah. They it just never stop. They never stop. So, yes, you do get the idea. And it's surgeon personalities. I've met doctors that are just ridiculous to try to have a conversation with. Like they're very pompous. I mean, that that, that does happen. I'm just saying in this film, it's way over the top. And we're supposed to I think we're just supposed to see them as antiheroes and cool. But I just think they're bullies and jerks and. They need to be tamed, taken down a couple of pegs. I think so, too. Yeah. There should be some consequences, yeah. but there aren't any. No. They are jerks. I I definitely see this differently as an adult than I did as a kid. All in all, I think the movie is 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 really smart. And I mm-hmm. think it does. Um, it does while making you laugh and while making you you know, these incredulous kind of moments of the doctors bursting in and wackadoo, you know, playing golf on the helipad and whatnot. You believe it because of the, you know, the the war is depicted so um, starkly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's, it's good in that way. I, I, um, I can't, it's a good movie. I have to say, I think it's a good movie. It's a good movie. I think it's, yeah. you know, it's sexist and it's, it's. Yeah, totally. Good. But I mean, so was the time. Yes. Not, not just the, not just the fifties, but the time that the yeah, movie's yeah. Oh, being absolutely. produced. Yeah. And I think, again, as a 21st century viewer, I actually think it's helpful to see that, to see mm-hmm. what that was like for those, these women who volunteered right they're not drafted they weren't drafted these are very skilled surgical nurses who volunteered to go and help save lives and are that is how they were almost certainly treated 
both in the 50s and in the Vietnam War. Interestingly, I don't think that they would be depicted that way today if they were doing something on the same subject. And, 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 And I think there is actually a value in that. I think it's important to see that that is how women were treated I wonder if if it would be done that way now. I'm not sure if it would. I don't think so. I think the audience wouldn't have it. It's too offensive. And yet it would be less realistic for that reason. That's a good point. That's a really good point. Oh, and Hojan is a is a person and I think in the TV series they may have had somebody akin to him but he's someone that Frank they had a Ho John character in the TV series it's different yeah yeah Um, and he's more of a character in the movie than he is even in the book I would say but he's fairly helpful he's somebody that they that they they need oh I remember in the book it just flashed back to me in the book they send Ho John to the States Hawkeye sends Hojon to the U.S. Hawkeye gets Hojon into his old alma mater and they raise money. They all like raise money to send Hojon to college and Hojon gets sent to the United States and goes to college. Whereas in the movie, um, Hojon gets drafted into the Korean army, unfortunately. Right. They, the doctors try to stop that from happening and they fail and they lose. you lose Hojon. Um, and I forget what happens in the, I think, they, maybe he gets sent to the States in the, in the TV show, but he's there briefly at the beginning. The TV show was a lot more like the movie, a lot of the same characters um, that eventually kind of they jettisoned as the years went on. But, yes. Um, but I, I kind of liked the way that they did that in the in the movie, because, again, I thought it was more realistic. I thought that's mm-hmm. probably what would have happened. Yeah. So book versus movie. I guess I have to say movie because the movie launched the TV show. Yes. The movie, the movie is an evolution of the book to be sure. Um, The book has great surgery scenes in it too. All the great elements of the book are in the movie. No question about it, but the movie adds a whole bunch of other stuff that is what gets incorporated into the television show. Like the fact that like, Henry being kind of out to lunch. Mm-hmm. He's not that out to lunch in the book. He's a little bit, but um, but not like to the degree that he is in the movie and then later on in the in the television series. So yeah, I got it. and then the song. <laughs> you can't think mash without that song. So I got to hand it to the movie. Yeah, I think you? I'm I'm going to do the same, and, and and mainly because the movie was so successful, they had to make a TV series out of it. They had to give it. A, they had to try. And so that's what we got. And I and I love that yeah. TV show. I really did. I think I it holds too. up. Great writing. I Larry agree. Gilbert. He's great. Yeah. It's it's very good. Yeah. I, I like I said, there's a lot of there's so many cringy moments. Mm-hmm. Many cringy moments. But that I that's just how it was, yeah. unfortunately. And and again, I sometimes think that they're just like when we talk about when we have conversations about like Huckleberry Finn. It's important, you know, as as cringy as it can be and as, as even very difficult, like, you know, let's just talk about the women, you know, the, as women, seeing women treated that way mm-hmm. is not easy, but I do think that's how they were treated. So, yeah, I, I it's it's worth watching if you've never seen it. And I, and I would even go so far as to say it's worth reading. I think the book, I think it was good. Well, it's on HBO Max right now the the movie and the book is on the Libby app you could just take it out from your library and check it out and I'm gonna pick the movie just because just gonna pick it I really enjoyed it I mean I had my problems with stuff 
but yeah. it made me feel something. I mean, I was, I was engaged. Oh, definitely. You know? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And not just, not just like outrage. Right. Not just, outrage. <laughs> you know, but you really have, you really connect with what those characters are going through, you know, as, as awful as they sometimes can be, mm-hmm. you do, you, you got to admit you have empathy, even for like Frank Burns. You, yes. You, you have, a, you have some empathy for him. Yeah. So I, yeah, it's well done. It's well done. What are we doing next? We had a request to do Austin Land, which is a book oh, and a movie yeah. that somebody mentioned this week. We had a bunch of people talk about it in the group. It's only 208 pages. It's available on the Libby app and it's streaming on Hulu and Disney. Okay. Yeah. It seems like fun. It, Carrie Russell's in it. It's supposed to be really good. Okay. That sounds good. Yeah. When's our next theme month? I'm, I'm losing track well, of time. So <laughs> we were supposed to do something for AAPI month for May. I'm having a hard time. We're trying to get suggestions for it. We have to keep the books on the shorter side of things because that's the thing. That's the problem. So there's so many really great yeah. books, but there's some like crazy rich Asians people bring up, but it's over 500 pages. I just don't have time. It's, it's a long one. It's a long one. Yeah. So maybe we'll at least get one in there that we can. But, okay. but then we and we also have summer coming up. So blockbusters, whatever summer movie, it just never ends. And then maybe like September band book month would be good. Yeah, we still there's a lot of great movies from band books. Yep. <laughs> so <laughs> there's kind of no shortage of them. Exactly. <laughs> um, OK, so yeah, Austin Land sounds good. Let's do that. OK. That's going to be the next episode, everybody. Please follow us on all the things. Once again, please send us your suggestions. As you can hear, we're looking for them and we need ideas and we need help. And uh, Marco, where can they find you? You can find me online at coloniabook.com and all of my social media callouts are at She's Nacho Mama. And where can they find you? My social media callouts are at Brooklyn Fitchick. That's also the name of my site. We'll be back soon with a new episode. Thank you so much for listening to the Book Versus Movie Podcast. We are a part of the Frolic Podcast Network. You can find more podcasts you will love at frolic.media forward slash podcasts. We follow the hashtags LadyPodSquad and Potter and Family. If you want to support the show, you can go to our Patreon page, go to P-A-T-R-E-O-N, and look for Book Versus Movie Podcast. We have a basic Facebook page, but we also have a private Facebook group. Go to Facebook and type in Book VS Movie Podcast Group if you want to join that. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Book Versus Movie. Spell all those words out. If you'd like to send us an email, it's Book Versus Movie Podcast. Spell that all out at gmail.com. You can follow Margot D at Brooklyn Fitchick on social media and Margot P at She's Nacho Mama. Thanks so much again for checking out our show, and we'll be back soon with a new episode. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.